working great. Hey, we're kicking off this series one by one, one by one, and this kind of probably looks familiar. You've seen this around. When I moved to Louisville several years ago is when this came out, and I would see OBX and HH, and the one that confused me because I couldn't see the words underneath was the the palm tree with the crescent moon, right? I thought there was a new branch of Islam that I didn't know about. You know, maybe it was taking hold, kind of kind of Islam, Margaritaville. I didn't know what was going on. And I finally found out that was South Carolina. I didn't know that. But it reminded me, and I saw them everywhere. So it's like everybody in Kentucky has this thing, you know, for South Carolina. It's kind of like where I'm from. Everybody wants to be a Native American. You know, Jimmy Long Arrow McMahon. You know, he, he just, he, he, or two bears, whatever. Everybody talks about where I'm from, how much they are, are Native American. I'm 132nd, I'm 164th, you know, that kind of thing. So we thought, hey, man, this thing's familiar. Let's capitalize on it for our series. It's a recognized brand. So that's that's what we've done. But 1B1 stands for one by one. Jesus said, and the churches say, and the pastors say, and we say it, and we believe it, to go out into the world and reach everybody. We, we believe that. But, but that feels overwhelming. Especially at Life Point, we're a four-year-old church, man. It feels unbelievably overwhelming. It feels impossible, even if you break it down into neighborhoods, city, states, townships, counties, whatever. It's kind of over the top. But if you begin to think about that, the world is made up of people, and those, you know, kind of this generic, see, you know, the babies, swollen bellies, flies, different cultures, America, just just people everywhere. And if you can take that and say those people are individuals and they give them a name. Actually, you don't even even have to do that. They've been given a name, right? So you just make them individuals and then you look around you and you see that those are actually individuals in your life that then the world becomes smaller. I normally do not like cliche stories, but a great example of this is, and and the reason I don't is because I usually get in enough trouble. I usually get myself enough spots where I have plenty of sermon material but this is just one of those things, this fits better. I, uh, well, I heard a story, you've probably heard it too, this kid, after a major storm, uh, low tide, there were thousands upon thousands of starfish on this beach. And this little kid begins, he's about first grade, he begins third grade, he begins to pick up starfish and throw them back into the ocean. And he just, as, you know, as, as only a kid can, tirelessly throwing those starfish back. An older couple's walking their dog, they're on vacation, and they they see this sight. And this older guy, full of wisdom and years and, you know, ran businesses, now he's retired. He said, son, what are you doing? He said, I'm trying to to save starfish. And the old man kind of laughed, looked at his wife. He said, said, hey, buddy, I don't want you to wear yourself out. There's only one person, you're only one kid, man. And only one person can't make a difference. And the little kid acted like he didn't hear him, and he picked up a starfish, and he threw it in the ocean, and he very respectfully looked at this older guy and said, I made a difference to him. And that is the the thought of one behind one, that you and I, we cannot reach the world. I mean, that is just daunting. There's just thousands of people. They kind of blur. It's kind of like a Polaroid that hasn't developed. It's just, it's beyond us. But if we can make it personalized, individualized, if we can look around us and see people that, that need Christ, the world becomes smaller. And we can, that's doable. It's, it's manageable. It's reachable. You know, have you ever, this happened to me, I don't know if you can relate to this, but I, I'm paying a bill at a restaurant I eat a lot, 
I come up to the counter, and it's a person that is kind of nerve-wracking. And they're kind of a nerve-wracking person, somewhere between somebody talking real loud in the morning when you first get up and, and nails down a chalkboard, just kind of that level, you know what I mean? Just one of those people that's irritating. Um, I look down, and on their, on their shirt, they've got this, this team from Ohio, and that's where I'm from. And I said, oh, a fan, a Buckeyes fan, huh? Because that's kind of unusual in, in Kentucky. And they said, yep, I'm, fr- I'm from Ohio. And they told me the city. The city was actually a city that Crystal and I owned our first home in. And, and, and suddenly she went from being nails on a chalkboard irritating to a cat rubbing on your leg irritating. Like she, you know, because the world got smaller and we're from the same area. And, and it was kind of, kind of cool. And, and we lived like three miles apart even at that time. She was a kid, but she lived three miles apart from Crystal and I. Have you ever had that happen where the world just gets smaller? You're on vacation, you meet somebody that knows somebody you know or from, from an area from. Anybody ever experienced that? You're in a strange place, and you just, it just the world becomes smaller. With one by one, what I'm praying is, is that the world will come, become smaller and become realistic in your mind. God's desires for everyone to have a personal relationship with Christ. And then because of that relationship, for you to discover Jesus, and you go be Jesus, and you teach them to go be Jesus, and that feels overwhelming until you break it down into one by one, it becomes doable. It becomes, it becomes, a dream becomes reality. Jesus personalized this. He challenged us with the real living, breathing mission to go reach the world. And as you individualize, it becomes possible. We can quit running from this day forward, what I hope you'll do. Whether you're a Christ follower or you're not a Christ follower, what I hope you'll do is from this day forward to quit running. I mean, there, there are people here that, that need Jesus Christ. God's desire for you is to discover him, and you haven't done that yet, and today can be your day. And there's people here that the faith for you, faith in Jesus Christ, has become all about gathering. And I'm not minimizing your needs. I don't want you to think that. Your needs are important. But if your needs are all that you think about, you become an island, and it, it's like taking drugs. It is never enough. It, when, you, when you begin to take that drug and that addiction of victimization, and it's all about me. I mean, everybody that talks to you, you bleed all over them. And if you do that, I mean, you can do that for a while, but if you do that for months and months and years, usually, that type of person, years and decades, it's not about you being broken. It's about you not doing anything about it. It's about you being a victim. Listen, you can't help many times what happens to you, the devastation that comes with life, stuff that people heap on you. But after, but after a measure of time, it's not that you don't still feel things and feel hurt and cries. We're not talking about that. We're talking about that, that it's as fresh as the moment it happened 10 years later. There probably needs to be something to take place in your life. And what I'm asking you to do, for those of you that are Christ followers, that have not bought into that thought yet, to step outside yourself. I shared in the first service, I said, you know, one of one of life points, every church has problems. You know, some churches are just too formal. Some churches are just too crazy. Some churches just aren't welcoming. Some churches just don't care about kids. Some churches just don't care about people. I mean, there's all kinds of issues. One of life points issues is this, is that we reach people, and, we, and listen, we train and all that, but there's something culturally that we've really been working on as leaders because we reach people and it's just like people plop down and it becomes all about them. If you're an all about them person, you're one of those people you're probably pushing back right now 
Some of you have been that way. Most of us have moments where they're that, where they're that way. And we, we just need someone to point the way out of that mindset. And today we're going to break that together. We're going to begin to look outside ourselves and see what God has to say. Now, now I've got to be honest with you. I've never spoken on what we're going to speak on today. I've never spoken on this subject. In 11 years of pastoring, I have never spoken on the, this, this verses that we're going to look at today. One verse I have many times, my favorite verse. You know the verse. You'll see it in a moment. But I talked with Wiggum, who has served of my 11 years as a lead pastor, four of those at LifePoint. I asked Wiggum, I said, hey, in your, in, in your memory bank, because he remembers everything, have I ever spoken on this scripture? And he was like, and he begins, and with Wiggum, everything's time. So he's like, okay, the 15 to 25-minute message is length. Uh, there's 15 of those. 11 of those were funerals. No. And then he goes on, you know, in the 45-plus minutes, he can name those titles by name. Not that they changed his life, just he did like, hey, look how long you spoke today on this subject, you know. He said, listen, you have never spoken on this subject. And you're going to find out why, because it came out as I was doing the message for myself. But I want you to look at these verses, incredible verses. John chapter 3, verse 1. There was a leader named Nicodemus, Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. I mean, I'm talking, it don't get no better than this if you're going to be religious. After dark one evening, he came to, to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, teacher, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence of this. Nicodemus had a lot to lose by becoming a follower of Jesus Christ, for even considering it. That's why you see him kind of slipping in, looking around in the shadows, coming to Jesus. But he's got real questions. Because for him to turn from his religion would have been turning on his family. For him to turn to Christ would have been rejecting his grandparents in their eyes, not in actuality. In actuality, it would have been what his grandparents were seeking for. It would have been what his mom and dad really wanted him to experience. But in the cultural reality, if he invited Christ into his life, it, it, was, death, it was death bells to his career. It was death bells to, to his family. It, it, was, it, was, it was a bad situation. But what I love about this guy is Nicodemus was searching. He wasn't able to put the pieces together, but he wanted to. There was something stirring in his soul. There was something not adding up with what he read in the Bible and what he saw about the Messiah and what he had been trained. And then what he saw visualized and just picturesque in Jesus Christ. Something was different there. And he had the guts to seek it out. He had the courage to search it out and see what this was all about. Because if there was something more, he didn't want to settle for an affiliation or a ritual or an association or family tradition, because honestly, there was just this gap between what Jesus was about and his religious system. And he was not one of those people that was willing to ignore the emptiness because it would become an inconvenience to him. There's many of us that push back on Christ. We say you know, hypocrites, we say all these things, but the reality is there, it, just, it would create an inconvenience in us that we're not willing to take on. I want you to look at this with me. Here comes the reason that I've never spoken on this, on this chapter, on this story. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless you're made new. Now, let me help you with this just really quick. Just remember, you, probably, you, you may have heard this before, but just, just bear with me. The old mentality was get saved, know the Messiah, just like ours, 
go to heaven one day to be with God. No God, go be with God. Jesus is like, scratches the record, back it up. This is about the kingdom of God. This is about a relationship that begins in a moment, continues through a life, and then one day you see God. So just, just bear with me on that. we got this born-again thing going. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? I mean, this guy just wasn't getting things that make you go, boom, you know, kangaroo time for this old guy. He's just awkward. You know, he throws this awkward statement out to Jesus. This is the reason I've always struggled with this passage. It was subconscious. I had no, re- I had no understanding. But I look at my, the Bibles I speak from, I have never, ever spoken from this, from this story since, since we've been church planning. And I thought, why is that? Well, I became a Christ follower in the early to mid-80s. I'm talking about the moral majority. I'm talking about what's God's going to save America, and he's going to do it through the political system. And so Christians began to pick the candidates that they thought would save America. And i got to help you. This is no different in the 2012 election. I'm not a politics guy. There's only one person that can save America, There's, and it's not a party, it's not an affiliation, it's not a religion. It is a person. It is Jesus Christ. And, but I got saved during that time where, you know, Christians were all about being politically charged. That's all they were about. I'm not talking about voting, which we should all do. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the way to save the country spiritually was by electing the right leaders. And so what they did, did was they took this, this term from the from the Bible, from this story, and they became born again. Actually, the press put this on people. And what took place is this. There were Christians, which meant I go to church sometimes, I vote, I, uh, I don't really talk about God, but I believe in God. It doesn't really influence my life, but here's the reality. For social sake, for morality's sake, I don't, do, I don't drink. A lot. I don't drink cuss, and I especially don't drink cuss, smoke or chew, or go with girls that do. I mean, I just don't do that. So I'm a Christian. Then there was the born-again Christian. Born-again was portrayed as, you know, wear weird clothes, speak in tongues, don't leave tips in restaurants, judge everybody. So that's where I got saved under. Well, Well... the advertising in about 90, 19, the mid-90s began to take this born-again statement, and they reworked some of it, and they changed some of the words, and they used different words, synonyms that meant the same thing, and they really began to capitalize on this, born, you know, kind of take this positive thing and make it revamping and renewing, okay? But shut that off in my mind. Let's rewind back to when I first became a Christ follower. What you see up here is unfortunately what I am. I'm I'm fun. I'm usually say things that are inappropriate, not meaning to, but many times I do, trying to be funny. I, uh, you know, people, you know, they wish that when I step on the stage that I just kind of hovercraft back to the, the door, and they're always disappointed when I don't. They're always disappointed at, at this pastoral image that they have, and then they meet me, and it's like, ah, it's kind of jacked up, so we don't know what to do with that. But when I first got saved, some of you would have been really glad to know me. Because this excitable, exciting, big picture, love Jesus guy was in this mode that I didn't know any better. So this born-again thing was big. So I went out and I bought a baseball jersey, blue sleeves, white, 
got it, got it, bought it at the mall, went up to the stand. It's back when you get irons on. I mean, are you old enough to remember the irons on? Like J.C. Penney's or Macy's would have this, you know, get a T-shirt, put your name on the back. Well, hey, I'm rolling it. I walk past this thing. It's got a glitter born-again thing. Oh, I mean, like born-again busting off fireworks. I mean, it's awesome. I'm like, Woo-hoo! put it on the shirt. That's mine. And I saw this guy that put names, and I was like, oh, this is the early, early 80s. This is a Gatlinburg. This is when it was really the real deal. And you, other people wore it, not just vacationers. Spray paint that Jamie right across them shoulder blades. Right? So, man, I'm rocking it, dude. I am all about Jesus. I've got this born-again shirt. And, and I, you know, I've got, I got my trapper keeper. How many people remember trapper keepers? Remember? Oh, yeah, trapper keepers. Right? Got a big, and, and listen, moral majority at that time was big, and I said, hey, I want one of them kids need to pray bumper stickers, so I wrote Mr. Falwell, but I love Jerry Falwell, by the way, he, was, he did a lot of great things, moral majority kind of clouds him politically, but he was a good man, he was a great great church planner. But I got this kid, kids need to pray bumper sticker, and I got my born again jersey, and they also sent me the world's smallest Bible. Because when you got saved in the 80s, it was, not, it was not like now. The wall had not fallen, baby. It was still Russia against America. I mean, we were watching movies in schools about the coming nuclear apocalypse. So listen, the first thing the communists are going to do is take my Bible. So they sent me a little plastic Bible, this little plastic piece of uh, this plastic that you could look under a 100 power or 10 power, 100 power microscope. And it was the whole Bible on this little piece of plastic. So, bro, I am ready for war, whether it's full-on overt or whether it's, it's guerrilla warfare. OJ's ready. Because you take the born-again jersey, baby, I got my, you can't see this Bible. I'm ready, okay? You got, you, you're following me, man. So, I go into the science class, and I'm supposed to be looking at protozoa. But OJ, he's not looking at protozoa. He pulls out the microscopic Bible. And I'm looking at Proverbs, not Protozoa. And my, and my avowed atheist evolutionist teacher came up and said, Jamie, what are you looking at? And I was like, is that the Holy Bible? Because it said it on the cover that I pulled it, pulled it out of. And I was like, uh, yes, it is. He goes, put it away now. And I thought, persecuted for Jesus, man, just like I read about. Uh-huh. Warfare, right? I'm ready. So, he, but the thing that Mr. Keir did not know is that I was born again, and the name is Jamie. Read it, baby. Born again, Jamie, right? So with that in mind, I have ran from the word born again for many, many years because of the connotation that we made it culturally. But today I am being freed up along with you, hopefully. Look at verse, we saw this awkwardness in verse 4. And we're going to move into verse 5 because now we're getting to the heart of what Jesus wanted to say. Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God. Oh, remember that thing? Not just like, you know, remember, remember also the 80s, man. You forgive me if you love all this stuff. But in the 80s, you accepted Jesus Christ and then you huddled in church and you talked about how bad everything was out there. And you didn't leave tips to the service. You didn't serve people. You just said stuff like, you know, Jesus says, and I got fish signs and kids need to pray. But you don't really make a difference. I mean, because that just wasn't what we were about. So, but we listen to gospel music and, you know, we, you know, where they all look at each other and say, oh, he's so good, you know, looking at each other and all that. And then you just, like, did all this stuff and you did all these Bible quizzes and all this stuff. And, and then one day you stand before Jesus and he's like, great job. You listen to Bill Gaither, you judge people, and now you're standing before me. That's what we were taught. 
But some preachers back in the early, mid-80s, late, early 90s, began to say, you know, that's not all there is to this. They began to, to dissect the kingdom of God where it was life that begins now and journeys with God. And this is the part, and this has been stuck for us because here's what's happened, man. This is what's happened. We have rewarded what we know instead of what we do with what we know. And that is what's fueled all this. And I am begging you in Jesus' name to reject that today and say that it's more important for you to discover things in the Bible and apply them than just discover them and know them or discover them and tell somebody else what you believe about them. Let's just stop doing that. Let's live this thing. That's what God is busting through Nicodemus' paradigm because it was all about what you believe and what you can conceive. And, and here's what Jesus said. Let me read this. You don't have to read it. Let me read this. He said, how, let's do read this, verse 9. How, oh, wait a minute. Where are we at? Okay. Boom, boom, boom. Verse 5, sorry. I'm going to myself. But I'm still born again, Jamie. Still mess with me. I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and of the Spirit. Hey, this blows away all the thinking of Christ's consciousness that God is automatically in all of us, that it doesn't matter what you believe. That's what, you know, Nicodemus is what Jesus was pushing back on him is. It's all about how people think you live. It's all about perception. That was Nicodemus' side. And Jesus said, no, it's all about knowing God. He's like, what? Get a man in. He just did. He get and he's like, what? Verse 5 blows away. Many, 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 many religious sects and occults. Wish we had time. We don't. Got to be born of water and spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised that when I say you must be born again, the wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but you can't tell where it comes from or whether it goes. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible, said religious, theology-trained, politically charged, knows the Bible better, knows the Old Testament better than any person in this room. Let me read this. It's not on the screen. Jesus replied, you're a respected Jewish teacher, and you don't understand these things? Whoa, 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 Nicodemus. Nicodemus. Jesus is unpacking faith for you, a faith decision, life that begins in a moment, life that journeys with God and not just what you believe. And that's, you know, listen, some of us, the reason church is not important, the reason serving is not important, the reason growing is not important, because we're still in the 80s. We get saved. We got different music now, thank God, you know. It's not a bunch of guys who look like big boys singing to one another. We, we got that thing covered. We got that covered, right? But we have still got this thing that's where it's well. We can sit in church whenever we want. We can stop whenever we want. We can serve. We can not serve. We can not tithe as Christ's followers. And it doesn't matter because we, we've got that remnant. We're not kingdom of God-minded where it's begin life there, journey with Jesus Christ, you're going to fall. You're going to mess up. You're going to have to take a knee. You're going to have to confess sin. You're going to be embarrassed. You're going to be called out. It's going to be awkward sometimes. Everything doesn't measure up. You won't always understand the Bible, but that's the faith journey. And Nicodemus said, what? This is out of control. But from verse 7, we get the statements that I want to give to you today. For the one be one. I couldn't give one. I wanted to, but I couldn't. Because Nicodemus represents two type of people for me. Let me give you the first one. 
You don't have to understand it all to believe at all. A-T, at sign. You don't have to understand it all to believe it all. Some of you are here and you just can't put all the pieces together. And you don't understand how Jesus rose from the dead. And you don't understand how he could be born of a virgin. And you don't understand creation. You don't understand the Old Testament. Here's what I want you to know at whatever level that you're at, is that Jesus Christ died, and Jesus Christ was buried, and Jesus Christ rose again, and he offers his, offers you life, and he proved it. And that is what moved Nicodemus. There was so much he could not put together with Christ. Nothing was adding up. Born again, how is this possible? Jesus like, listen, man. You don't have to believe it all, understand it all, to believe it all, to believe at all. Here's the other thing. Agreeing with a thought is not the same as acting on a belief. This is what I've noticed a lot in the Midwest. I grew up in the Midwest, strong roots in, in eastern Kentucky, now getting to pastor in Louisville, just having a great time. This is what I've noticed about all that Midwest South, and it goes really bad when you go deeper into the South. That it's all, there's this aloof, and they assume, my granddaddy was a preacher, I've heard it all, Jay. I know it all. I know all the tricks. I've heard the music. You don't wear a tie. You got a band. I've seen that a million times, and they miss what it's about. They think, oh, so 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 what pastors do is get defensive, and they make fun of the big church in town. I love the big churches. We want to be a big church one day, not because we just want to be big, but because we want to reach people for Jesus, and I believe God will let us do that. We didn't start life point in an antithesis. We're going to be against the Baptist, or we're going to be against Southeast, or Highview. No, 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 no. We want to reach people for Jesus, and we believe we could reach a niche that nobody else could, or that God would use us. It was a simple faith step. It wasn't against anything. God wants to be. God wants to do that. But but we've we've grown up in this thing that oh you know agreeing with a thought is not the same as acting on a belief. So people are here that have been in church their whole life. They come to Life Point. Papa was a pastor. Daddy was a pastor. Daddy was a missionary, and they are lost and on their way to hell without Jesus Christ because they know stuff. And they agree with it. They're not going to say, I don't believe Jesus rose from the dead. But they've never applied it to their life. They've never called on Jesus Christ. There's people that are Christ followers, and you've got the fire insurance, but you've stopped with that either to create the safe place for yourself because you're, you know, you're self-absorbed, and I love you, but you're self-absorbed. Or you just don't care because you assume everybody else knows, or honestly you don't care but because you agree with everything I'm saying, but you're not going to do anything with it. So you really don't agree. Agreeing is not the same, with a thought is not the same as acting on belief. Here was what was amazing. I saw people last week. I got, I got, and just because I opened the mail. And I saw people that began tithing last week that probably haven't begun tithing. They quit, they quit agreeing with that. Preach it, Jamie. Amen. Mm-hmm. High five. Good message. And they acted on what the Bible says. Amazing. So Nicodemus, he represents these guys, these people. And that's how you can stay aloof and, and you can assume things and you can just stay in the back and you cannot do anything with God and you can be dis, you know, and you can just kind of push back in your spirit if something triggers you, you kind of give a dirty look or send me an email. And, you know, I always love those. Those are awesome. But, um, you know, you do all this kind of stuff, but it never becomes alive in your spirit. You got all these excuses. Nicodemus is the same way. But he was willing, if it were possible, he was willing to lay all that down if God had something more. And God, Jesus said, Nicodemus, God provides and you receive and you believe. 
Nicodemus, I know you're religious and you've got this great looking religious outfit on, but every person is a sinner and every person needs God in their lives. And God had to intervene because everyone is broken and you can't keep doing anything that will get God's attention. You've got to believe and receive Jesus Christ. Nicodemus is having a tough time processing this. Knowing is not the same as believing. He did, God didn't need his help. It didn't matter what you believe, Nicodemus, about what God thinks. It matters what God says. This is the heart of people that struggle that are religious. They want to do their thing because it feels good to help God out instead of obey. Religion makes no sense at all. We're going to see this in a moment. What God, you know, rather than God accept what he said, we want to get our way. We don't, we don't want, God, listen, you can have, we've all done this. We've got areas in our life, and some people just, with their faith, other, if you look at every other faith, I read a book on a cults and different faiths, and it's like this thick, and my head was about to explode at the end of this month when I read this book. But at the end of it, you know what the theme was? Jesus or do it yourself. I'm talking about assemblies of Yahweh. I'm talking about Crowleyism. I'm talking about miracles teaching Jesus or somebody else. I'm talking about Islam. I'm talking about Jehovah Witness. I'm talking about, you know, uh, Christian science. I'm talking about the COG, ran by Armstrong at the COG that owns this building. I'm talking about Jesus or earn it yourself. And they're, they're very overt about it. It's not like, like oh, Jimmy's preaching. It's like, oh, this is just what they teach. And this is blowing Nicodemus away. Because God, you've, I've, got, I've had this work for me. Now you've got to make it work for you. That's what we say. That's what we push back with. I've made this work for me. Now it's time to work for you. This has been since generation two. There were two borns, two sons born to Adam and Eve. Religion started with those boys. God came to them and he said, I want you to offer sacrifice just like your mom and dad did. Sacrifice. Abel was like, okay, it's bloody. Might get some fleas on you from the sheep. Doesn't make sense. He couldn't see 5,000 years into the future that that lamb represented Jesus Christ. God didn't reveal that to him. He just set off for the sacrifice, and Abel did it. But Cain was more refined, baby. He was a farmer. What's a sheep herder? Sheep herders, you know. I always think of that droopy cartoon. Moo, moo, bad, bad. What do you mean, moo, moo, bad, bad? Remember that one? Red the Red Rock. You guys remember that sheep against the cattle? You don't remember that? Okay, sorry. Generational jump, my bad. Hello, all you happy people. You remember that guy? It was one of those guys, right? A farmer, dude. I'm going to do this my way. I did it my way. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to bring, I, listen, man, God, fruit is so much more beautiful than, than sheep. So he brings this offering. God rejects it. What? I mean, you made fruit. You made trees. You made all this stuff. And you're going to reject this? Yes, yes. So the first time we discover religion kills. We're going to do a series probably January or February. I wrote it down while I was supposed to be studying for this this morning. Or not studying, but going over my message. Message done, I'm going over it. I get this idea for a series going through this message. I'm like, oh, we're going to do that with the mail or religion kills. First time he murders his brother. Didn't stop there, did it? Crusades, blah, 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 blah. Religion kills. Faith gives life, but religion kills. Religion kills no matter what kind of symbol you put on it, crescent, crescent moon or cross, religion kills. But faith 
in Christ gives life. Jesus untangled the Bible for our boy Nick. He made up his mind on faith, but he caught a glimpse of the real Jesus. And some of you have done that. You think Jesus is a style of music. You think Jesus is the hypocrisy that you grew up at church saying. You think Jesus is just about rituals and getting up at a certain time praying and, you know, and all this stuff. And, you know, like, I don't know. My legs are tired. And that's what Jesus says to you. Jesus, Jesus is a schoolmaster. Some of you went to parochial school. Wiggum tells me all kinds. I went to public school. He went to Catholic school. Tells me all kinds of stories about, you know, that, that fit the Blues Brothers vision of parochial school. Some of you, that's all you have. Some of you, it goes even darker than that. You had grandparents that were abusive and sexually molesting you, but singing every, oh, did my Savior bleed with their wingtips on, and you're like, that's Jesus? No. Jesus is not a style. He is not a, he is not a denomination. He is not a tradition. He is the Savior. And what he did was lay C4 around this box that Nicodemus had God in. It could not be contained in theology books. It could not be contained by historical evidence. It could not be contained in preferential thinking. And he blew it up. And he said, listen, I want you to know me. I want you to know I'm not a style. I want you to know that I'm not just rules you can't keep, Nicodemus. That's what you lived your whole lives I know that some of this is offensive to you. Some of you have been so offended. I want you to know Jesus defended you. Sin, the offense of sin in your life, born that way, and then you we don't actually choose sin. We don't have to be trained to do it. And the sin yells to the Father, guilty. Jamie Johnson is guilty. Fill your name in. We're going to let this verse in a minute. Fill your name in. He is guilty. She is guilty. And out of the shadows of eternity, the Lord Jesus Christ says, oh, Father, I want to defend that. I want to speak against that. I want to witness against that. Because I stepped into reality. I stepped into time and space. God, I am your son. I stepped in equal to you in the God. God, we are equal. And I stepped in. And by me dying and shedding my blood and rising again, I want you to know that Jamie or you or whoever you are, man, woman, boy, or girl, you fill your name in. If you believe on Jesus Christ, I want you to know that Jesus has stepped in to defend you. His followers may offend you. Religion may offend you. But Jesus has stepped in in your defense as a go-between between you and God's wrath. And if you accept him as your Savior, the Heavenly Father will say, free. these verses with me as we close. John 3.13 No one has ever gone to heaven and returned but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. No one's risen from the dead. No one's ascended. There's not spirits, little baby spirits born. I mean this, this verse blows some religious face out of the water. There's not little babies born and put into little earthly bodies. I mean just packed in there baby. All kinds of religious dismantling. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Read this with me, because I know you've heard this verse before. Look at the screen with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Say it with me. 
that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Check out this promise, verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Nick thought God was all about judgment, religion, what he could do to please God. And and Jesus was like, blow it up. This is about what God can do for you, Nicodemus. If you will only, by faith, call on me. And then the story, just, I mean, you read the rest of the chapter, there's no more really given about him. But I want to, I want to read this verse to you because, because this is Nick's, Nick's story, man, and this is incredible. John 19, let me, let me read this to you. With him came Nicodemus. This is, Jesus has died. They're taking his body. With him came Nicodemus, the man who had come to Jesus at night. He brought about 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made from myrrh and olives, probably a decade's worth of, of salary for an average person. He identified himself. Came by night the first time. Jesus blew up all these boxes for him, and he didn't know what to do with it. And Jesus is a gentleman. He didn't rush. He didn't press. But when Jesus died, here is Nicodemus acknowledging Christ. And I wonder if some of you are there. You've known about this stuff your whole life. You've given all your excuses religiously. You've prided yourself in taking a stand and, you know, coexist and rejecting Christ and using his followers. And you've controlled this thing. But today you're like, I'm letting down my guard. I'm surrendering my bitterness, my fear, my hurt to trust Jesus Christ. Some of you that have trusted Jesus Christ, I wonder if today will be the day that you stop living self-absorbed, that you stop making this about you, and that painful loss or that breakup Work through it. It is important. It moves God's heart. But God never meant for anything other than him to define your life. And if it is, will you begin to take the steps that you need to get help? Will you make this? This is the whole thing about one by one. I, I, we didn't do a mailer on this. You know why? And you're probably here visiting thinking, what's this all about? And, and your friend that brought you said, Jamie's laying you know, our cards on the deck. He's telling all our secrets. Absolutely. Because Jesus wants you to discover him. And then after you discover him, he wants you to go be him, help somebody else discover him. And train them and help them discover him. And train them and help him discover them. Discover Jesus, go be Jesus. I wonder, Christ's follower, if you'll step over around the wall that God has fallen and begin to make a difference one by one by one by one. I wonder if you'll do that. Let's pray. Are you here today? There was just this light click on in your head. It just it just made sense. Or you jumped that shark of, I've got to know it all to believe it all. And you're willing to accept Jesus Christ today. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. I would never do that. But I wonder, you've been religious your whole life and pushed back. I wonder if today you'll accept Jesus Christ. I know some of you are ready to do that. 
I just wonder where you're seated if, if you will ask him into your life. Say, Jay, I don't even know how to do that. Let me ask you this question with your heads bowed. Do you believe Jesus died and rose again for you? The person that wants to accept Christ is saying, yes. Then in the quietness of your heart, whisper this prayer to him. Jesus, I believe you died and rose again for me. And I invite you into my heart and my life to be my Savior. In your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. With our heads bowed, with our heads bowed really quick. Christ follower. Will today be the day? Will you join me on the other side of that wall of excuses? Some of you just needed to know that it's beyond you. Some of you, you know, you just needed to know that, that it's more than you. And you're, you're all, you've already acted on it. I praise God for that, and I applaud you for that. But some of you are still wrestling with the fact about you, yours, my, mine, me, me. I'm begging you to not walk out of here pushing back, saying, I can't reach it, saying, there, no, you're, no. God has placed people in your life that you can make a difference. God has given you an amazing opportunity at LifePoint. We have groups starting. We have, And it's not a sales pitch, man. There's just so many things, so many segues that you can begin to make a difference. And I wonder if you, especially outside these walls, will say, you know, usually I'm draining the life out of everyone else or I'm ignoring everyone else. And from now on, one by one, I want to see if God will use me to make a difference. And I guarantee you that he will. Let's pray before we, we close out. The team will close. We're going to take an offering in a moment. But I want to pray for you before we do. Father, bless my friends. Encourage them and empower them to take the step they need to take. I believe that you're moving on hearts. I believe you're going from chair to chair, Holy Spirit. I believe you're speaking to people. I believe that you can tear down the walls. I believe some people are pushing back so hard. And I pray that right now they would raise the white flag of surrender to you, Lord Jesus. Not to LifePoint, not to me, not to their Christian grandpa, but to you. Let them respond as Nicodemus responded. Let them say, listen, I, I took a step of faith. I didn't understand it all, but I believed in a moment, so I, I didn't let that stop me. But I've remained aloof because I'm self-absorbed. I've remained aloof because I didn't want to be like those people that offended me. And I'm not going to do that anymore. Give them that courage, Jesus. Let them quit making excuses and say, oh, you know, I'm this, and I've done this, and I haven't done this, and I'm not here yet. Father, just stop all that and work in our lives in Christ's name. Guys, we'll take.